time again, right? Kick out the old welcome the new. Make your New Year's resolutions now. Go! Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. So this is our final show of 2021, and depending when you listen to this, the first one of, of 2022. We're going to be delving into the Canadian Premier League and having our kind of end of year review of that, continuing our selection of shows that we're doing for that. But before we get into the football chat, how was your Christmas, guys? Steve, did you have a a nice festive period? Yeah, uh, uh, everybody is healthy after Christmas. We had a few people over, uh, close relatives, like my brother's family, my sister's family. Um, But yeah, everybody... Nobody was sick afterwards, so that's a positive. And other than that, just enjoying the snow and being indoors with everybody. A lot of board games, a lot of movies, a lot of uh, a lot of marathons, binging movies, old movies. What about you yourself, Zach? Enjoy <clears throat> the white Christmas. Uh, you enjoy the snow for sure. Uh, yeah, we literally had four people in our house: my brother and sister-in-law and their two kids. And then just today, we hung out with my my, my Cheryl's parents. Uh, just because it was, we live up a up a little hill, and uh, my brother and sister had to park at the kind of entrance to where we live and walk and walk up a bit, so it was not not great for my. So it felt like they had a marathon as well, I guess. They had a marathon, yeah. So we great food. We made the turkey this year, and uh, um, yeah, great food. Like similar to Steve, though, lots of great games, board games, and uh, watch some fun stuff and. Yeah, these last like five days, I, I just today I left the house for the first time in like I think five days, other than playing in the snow and shoveling. Um, but yeah, lots and lots of good quality family time together. Fantastic. Any any exciting presents either if you got? I won't ask if you got any football related presents because it's probably no, but that's the <laughs> usual answers. Oh, I got a Bluetooth uh, wallet finder. Like you stick it, like I lose my, I tend to misplace my wallet. And so you put it in your wallet and then you, uh, uh, connected to your phone, and you can just hit a button oh. and it starts beeping. So that's that's exciting because it'll save me a lot of time in the. Beginning. Can you find there... other people's wallets? No, just your own. Because oh. that 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 piece of that equipment has to be in your wallet. 
Steve, is there a device that will like keep me from forgetting my phone in my car? <laughs> oh, as a funny enough, I forgot my phone in the car on the coldest night of the year. <laughs> Luckily, oh. the car was in the garage, so it didn't damage the phone at all. I always leave my phone in the car, and then I get up, get upstairs, and I'm like, oh, I got to go back down to the car. Or I'm like, kids, someone will get, get my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have my phone on silent a lot, and then I put it down somewhere. I have no idea where it is, and I can't call it because it's on silent. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that was fun. Hopefully, everyone listening had a, a great Christmas as well. Looking forward to the new year. So let's kick things off with our look around this year in the Canadian Premier League. And it's it's been a fantastic season in the the CPL, crowning champions here in BC. We're going to cover it all. We're going to look at all the teams. We're going to to talk about a, a number of things, the award winners, the highs, the lows of the season. And yeah, just a... Everything you can possibly think of. So, with COVID looming large, the initial hopes of starting the season on Victoria Day towards the end of May, it soon faded. I think it was a long shot maybe gunning for that, the way that things were going. But soon after that, it was announced that the season was going to get underway in Winnipeg, a Winnipeg bubble. And I loved it. And I would genuinely not mind if they started every season in the one place, playing lots of games in one city. I know you're taken away from some home things. In normal times, you could get fans from all over the country going to that venue as well, that I think would would just be a, a great environment. I enjoyed it. The games were coming thick and fast. Some of the players and coaches didn't enjoy it, Steve, but it, it was a great way, I think, to kick off the season. I think their lack of enjoyment was because, I think, if I'm not mistaken, because of the conditions that they yes. were, the places and they were the, staying in. Yeah, so. how, how limited they were at being able to go and do stuff. Yeah, and well. I think that, uh, and they would have been limited. the whole point in, of a bubble. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the whole point. So that I think that if you can do that kind of thing and still have uh, don't have those limitations and have better accommodations, um, I think it is something definitely to look off look look at. It's almost like the, you were talking about, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago about the MLS is back. How much you enjoyed that? It's a very similar thing here. And and the thing is, you get like you said, a lot of games stick it fast. You you kind of cut down on the travel costs, so you you kind of help the uh, teams out that way. Um, and also, it because because you have this kind of tournament, everybody loves a tournament. Like everybody enjoys what you get excitement into the league going into the season instead of like waiting. So you have that beginning tournament, you have your season, and then you have your, uh, your cup, you know, tournament at the end. So I think, I think it is a very positive thing to do. They definitely should be looking at that. They should move around, obviously move it around. They have, yeah. Uh, they've done it on the East coast, West coast. Even bring um, it to Central. cities that don't have a team just now to yeah. get the interest up. Exactly. It could. Saskatchewan. Yeah. It could be something that helps. Uh, build interest and support for future teams for sure. And I agree with you guys. It could be also just something that sets the league apart. It could be something that, um, yeah, becomes a tradition too, where like mm. you saw how, how, I mean, a part of it's because of COVID, but you saw how grateful, uh, like, or how grateful, how positive it was for them to go to the PEI, right? In terms of the economic uh, help for that community was obviously Winnipeg wasn't the same because hardly anyone traveled, but you're right. If it was a normal thing, it would be like, 
you like, like, you remember, um, like when uh, MLS Cup was in Seattle and they have like a supporter summit and like yeah. everyone goes and it's a big, like, big thing. You could make it into something like that, and you could do this in places where either that you want to future expand, or you could do it in the warmer places where you're like, mm. yeah, we we, we want to, we need to start it March or whatever. And, yeah, or, like and what so Steve was saying a few shows ago about starting yeah. the season earlier. Exactly. Let's do. We're going to do March, and we're going to do it in, like, you know, probably to be like Victoria or the Lower Mainland, right? Like those kind of like or wherever wherever else maybe the weather is good. I, I mean, a tournament like that to kick a season off, even for two weeks, three weeks in Langford with every team there, fans yeah. traveling all over. I'd be over for the the couple of weeks. I'd love it. Lap it up. Imagine yeah. doing it in the, uh, Langford. You could talk like you're talking about cities that don't have a team. Do it in the Okanagan. Oh, yeah. People, yeah. And, and there's tons of things for players to do around that time. I don't know well, about that, the that, weather. That's the thing as but, well, because yeah. if it's if it's normal times and you can go out and about, the players will enjoy it more as well because mm. they'll get to have time. Families can go with them. I think it's a win-win for the league, and I, I really hope that it's something that they look at. I, I'd actually like them to do, like, um, especially if they're doing it in, like, uh, like, uh, like do one of these things like a game in on a glacier field, like a glacier, you know, you know, the glaciers <laughs> like, that like are the hockey's like, no, no, you know classic, how, you know, how they have the field in like, they have the glacier fields in between Jasper and Banff up uh, that, oh. that uh, highway. There's a, like actually a glacier there. Yeah. If you could do something like that, I think that would like, I think that it would be like, like a winter classic. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying like, have a, like a, like a friendly there and just have like, have the players having fun. And then it kind of, uh, it promotes the t- league in that kind of aspect where it kind of brings more eyes to it uh, because you're doing something different. I'm, I'm definitely not saying doing it as a normal game because that would be bad because <laughs> you don't yeah. want to have, have a team like doing that, but have something like that, like as a pro- promotional thing. I mean, it's a, th- there's universities with stadiums all over the country. So you could bring it to like Newfoundland and Labrador and like places that don't get that level of football coming to them I, I I just think it would be a fantastic thing to do that said and as much as I enjoyed it it did feel good to see the teams get back to their home markets back in front of home fans and although a 28 game season was played it obviously wasn't a, a normal season and attendances across the league did suffer restrictions, vaccine passports, everything like that that was in play. I don't think we saw the crowds turn out that you would get in a normal season. So we're three seasons into the CPL, but we've still only had one actual proper season. And you right now, you just don't know what 2022 is going to bring. And this is a league that needs to get a proper season again soon, Zach. Otherwise, you're starting to lose a lot of, of things here. Yeah, absolutely. As much as it would be nice to maybe institute some kind of tradition like we're talking about for preseason or as a as a launch to the season, the, the one huge thing against that is that these owners will want as many meaningful games in their home stadium to... Uh, to try and fill those stadiums to, um, you know, uh, grow their grow their supporter base, their fan base to help uh, generate the revenue that they need in the the long term. And yeah, I mean, I think the, the inaugural season was, I think, really encouraging 
on the field, as we've talked about many times. And it was not bad off the field. Like or it wasn't bad in the stands. I think the highs were places like um, Halifax. I think is the oh, most they exciting still place. pack it out. It's tremendous. Yeah. Halifax and the rest of the league, aside from maybe Winnipeg and um, and uh, Edmonton, had at least respectable crowds every like every yeah. so often. Or Cavalry was a lot emptier than it was in year one. Yeah, but you don't know. Part of that might just be that folk aren't as excited about the team anymore. But obviously it's in Alberta and there's a lot of folk. And you, whenever teams post, oh, you need to have proof of vaccine, et cetera, et cetera, to get into games, there's always folk leaving comments off, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to come to any more games and cancelling my season ticket. And you wonder, do, do they even go to the games? Why, why is this guy from America suddenly posting this on, on some team or whatever? But the Cavalry definitely had a noticeable... In the main stand that's opposite the camera, a lower attendance than usual. The the fans behind the goal were tremendous as always. Some of the best throughout the CPL. But that's something that probably worries the Cavs a little bit. Can they get those fan numbers back up again? Yeah, and they'll they'll need to. Um, and I think they, I think you're right. I think a big part of it in in a place like Alberta, I think COVID does play a significant role. Whether it's proof of vaccine required or or people just being like, if you're going to do something on, on principle, I'm not going to participate. So um, it also it also plays a part into people being nervous about going out and yes, participating. Yeah. So it's I not just say the people. That as well, because I, I still yeah, am. The next category. I'll, I'll be honest and say I am. It's massive crowds. There's some concerts that I would quite like to go to next year. I am haven't booked the tickets yet because I'm like. Mm. Will I be comfortable in March? Will I be comfortable in May? I I don't know yet. Right now, I'm not because everything that's happening, but who knows what March and May will bring. And I've had so many concerts cancelled that I had tickets for that I don't know whether I'll do that again. But no, that's a, that's a good point as well, Steve. So the season recently wound up. There's new champions crowned. Pacific FC brought the microwave plate back with them to BC, did the best team win over the course of the season, Zach? Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair question. Um, I mean, in traditional footballing sense, no, um, they weren't the league leaders at the end of the season. Uh, Finished they the third overall. Third overall. So, in one sense, no, but uh, I think in a in the playoff model, I think yeah, they they were the the right winners, and even throughout the year, they showed like the way they played and the way they have like transformed as a club has shown that I think they were the like worthy, worthy winners, right? They play like, I mean, of the final side, I guess um, they play like a powerful attacking kind of dominating kind of form of football that they're in general, really, really proud about. And I think, we, yeah, they were deserving. I think, oh, I think on the whole, they were deserving winners. And for me, they are deserving because, like like Zach said, they they played that they play that dominating style. But they uh, what better teams can play that dominating style and then switch to a different style and and still win in that style. And that's what they showed in the final. Like a lot of people complain, yeah. oh, they didn't play. They they kind yeah. of hunker down. That's what they needed to do they to played, win. And yeah, they played the game they had to do to and, to win and the and championship. And for me, that makes them a worthy champion. Like it'll always be like that for me. Like whoever. Uh, lifts up the title is the worthy champion because they actually won it, uh, no matter what one soccer wants to tell us. 
I, I think Forge, Cavalry and Pacific all played some wonderful football yeah. this year. Any one of them that won it, I, I think, was deserving at, at the end because Pacific, well, a number of teams were blighted by injuries. Pacific were blighted by injuries. They had their ups, they had their downs. They lost their talismanic Marco Bustos for, yeah. for a lot of the campaign. But they played some lovely stuff. They but led but they were deep. And, they were deep. Yeah. They, were, they had a number of players that can change the game on an instant. And that's what you're looking for. And we, we talked about those three teams, but a lot of other teams had moments as well. Um, and that's the that's the encouraging part that all these other teams had things like go well for them. Yeah, some teams didn't. They they lost coaches. Coaches got, you know, fired and everything like that. But they had moments as well. And like, so it's encouraging that other teams not not – there's only a couple teams that I would say that are still finding their feet. Everybody kind of has a mode. It's a matter of how well they do during the season. And, and, but everybody's capable of being that in Pacific Pacific being that third team. Now it, it improves the league. And now we just got to get that fourth and fifth team to be that, you know, that strong team that can hang yeah. with Forge and Calvary. Yeah. That, I think that that is an important thing for the growth of the league after this third year. You need to have more than these three teams that you think can really have a good shot of winning it. And we'll have a look at each of the teams to various degrees, because obviously we haven't seen a lot of them. The the pressure's getting ramped up on some of these teams, Zach, because two managers lost a job over the course of the season. Rob Gale at Valor, Jim Brennan uh, at York. Well, we'll talk a bit more uh, about those later. And another one, Mr. Parted ways with Ottawa this week, making it four of the eight CPL teams that have had a managerial change in the last 12 months or so. And that's five of the eight sides have changed managers since the CPL began. Bobby Smyrniotis at Forge, Tommy Pielden Jr. at Cavalry and Stephen Hart at Halifax are the only three managers still in situ that were there when the league started. But I think this is showing that the owners are like, we we need to see results. You've had a couple of years to do this now. We're not; these teams aren't going where they want them to go. So the the pressure is definitely turning up on some of these teams. Yeah, there's these coaching changes. There's some potential ownership change. Mm. Um, there's a, there's a lot a lot going on in terms of the seriousness of the stakes. Yeah, I think uh, obviously. The, the, the places that are concerning are Ottawa, which is they've been around one year less uh, in Edmonton. And they've never had a proper season yet. To, yes, they never had a real season, yeah. which is crazy. Uh, and then Edmonton. And then who's the, who else? I guess Valor to a degree. And I guess York is the other one. Uh, Halif- yeah. uh, Halifax, to me, Halifax is kind of the fourth because not just because of they've done so many things so well uh, and they have such a good relationship with their supporters. But be also because they made the the final in the second year, so yeah, and th- those are the those the, to me that's the split right now. If I had to make it, you know, split yeah. the league in half. Yeah, but I like I like Valor the way they're playing. I think York. I think they were the people mentioned York was like one of the youngest teams. While yeah, uh, I don't like them because they're in the Toronto area. I still you know you still have to respect the fact that they have a young team and they they almost they they they, they definitely cost Pacific uh, a chance to host the finals mm-hmm. by yeah. beating them here. So. Yeah, there are like good moments. The other, like I said, but the thing is with FC Edmonton, they have um, Allen in charge there, so hopefully he's able to turn it around. And then, and uh, like I said, Ottawa, Ottawa is the one team that I'm I'm concerned about only because of 
it doesn't the, you expect more from them because of Atletico Madrid the connection yeah. and there's nothing happening. I, I'm sure their owners expect more of them as well. And as the as the league grows and more teams come in, it's like the, this all of a sudden pressure on these teams to to start doing well. I mean, all in all, good growth for the league. They're entering into talks with the players' union. That's a positive. The schedule still needs to get sorted out. We we've talked about this on the show. And yeah, and like Steve and we have chatted on the phone and stuff about it. It's hard to follow. It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a game on tonight. I didn't know about that. And we pay attention to the league. So the folk that just casually follow it, it's hard uh, to know what's happening. I only found out about games when you guys would mention them. Yeah. Otherwise, I had no idea the games were on. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for the games coming thick and fast at the start, but at some point it needs to calm down from the players as well. Yeah. And it, it needs to be, like I said before, well, we've said it so many times, it needs to be just be set on certain days. You need mm-hmm. to stick to that schedule. Have If you're going to do a midweek, it's got to be on Wednesday. If you're uh, weekends, you know, you could do, uh, you know, you could do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but just make sure that the regular times, like there's no, no like alteration. Well, yeah, that's the thing as well. They're all over the place, the, the yeah. kickoff times as well. But a good third year overall for the league. The award winners, the official award winners, were handed out on Tuesday, December the 14th. We'll we'll quickly go over them, just see if you guys agree with them or if you had anyone else. Jao Morelli from Halifax Wanderers won the Golden Boot. So there's no argument there. 14 goals from his 21 appearances. I don't know. That guy that scored 12 should have won it. (laughs) 25-year-old Brazilian Morelli. He was the clear high spot for the Wanderers. Now, Morelli also won the Player of the Year award, which was a little bit controversial. A number of people didn't agree that that he should have won that. He was nominated with Terran Campbell from Pacific FC and Kyle Becker from Forge FC. What's your guys feeling on it? Should it have been Morelli? Should it have been one of the other two? Or should it have been someone that wasn't even nominated at all? It's hard to uh, argue with him getting the more votes over Terran Campbell because he did score more goals. But folks um, are saying a number of his goals were penalties. But as we've debated, penalties are still goals. But yeah, still, it's still uh, just ask some of the teams previously that they're not easy to convert. Um, so, yeah, whatever you want to say, penalties, but it's still. It's it, maybe the people that voted for these awards did not watch the games as closely, and that's mm-hmm. why he got the awards based on stats. But um, Kyle Becker is usually the you know the main player, the no, known as the top player in the league. Um, I, I I feel like if Marco Bustos was uh, had a full season, I think he would have been the shoe in. Yeah, I think uh, he for the have. spot. So um, in this case, I think the people voted because of the goal scoring record and how many. And and the fact that he's got fourteen and twenty one, uh, that's a pretty high high mark. So yeah, that's what might be the reason. I I, I honestly have not watched enough games to be like a valid voter. On yeah, this one. the the way I look at it, Zach, is I for an award like this, I I look overall in the league to see what contribution they've made. So in this case, like Morelli and Campbell, both got a lot of goals. But I also look to see the impact that they had for their team. And I would probably pick Morelli for this because without Morelli, Halifax wouldn't have been anywhere near making it into the postseason. 
Terran Campbell had a good season for Pacific, but he had a really good supporting cast around him. There was a number of key individuals that contributed to that team. And this wasn't Kyle Becker's best season for Forge. I don't think he he actually had that, that good a season. So I, I can certainly see a case for Morelli. I mean, what about you? Yeah, I think I think that what you say makes sense. Although I can see, I could have seen Becker winning it just because they were the league. You know, they won the the league in terms of standings. I could have seen him winning it because he was from Ontario. That... Was, that's what I was going to say second. <laughs> I thought I'd lead with, I thought I'd leave with the the better argument. But yeah, I think I think Yeah, you're right. In terms of like most valuable to their team, I think it's it's hard to argue with Morelli. You take him away, and yeah, where is that side at? Mm. The young player of the year uh, went to Alessandro Hujapur from Pacific FC. This, I, I think his goal in the final yeah, probably the, put him... When was, when was the voting for this? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, it would have to be after the final. Yeah, okay. So then that that clearly shaped things. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, to say. He was nominated with Victor Latouri for Cavalry. And I don't think he, Victor, all respect to Victor, he wasn't the best young player on that Cavalry team. No. And Max Ferrari with York. And I've got to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of York games. I genuinely don't know who I would have voted for in this category. I probably would have been swung by the fact that Hojapur scored the winner in the championship game and he was with the, the champions. Yeah. And and the fact and the and the other thing is if you look at it we talked about Bustos not being around and it was Hojapur who kind of fit into that spot, um, so in that case he kind of ran the attack a little bit so maybe that was the reason why because uh, they saw him being that replacement for Bustos and they saw how well Pacific did. Like I said, I don't know how much these the people voted for these words. Um, you know, watch the, all the games. It's hard to watch all the games, like we said, for people like you guys following the league. Um, it's it's not easy to keep track of everything. So it probably is a lot of talking to people, and that's how they vote. Mm. The goalkeeper of the year, it went to Jonathan Serwa, who had nine clean sheets in 24 games. Callum Irvin had eight in 27, and also uh, in two playoff games as as well, Callie had that. The the nominee for goalkeeper of the the year was Steve's good friend and of course friend of the show Marco Carducci. Callum wasn't nominated for the Golden Glove Award, and the third nominee went to Tristan Henry from Forge. Of course. Now, the to howler. me, I think it was between Callum Irving and Jonathan Serwa, because the way the Serwa started for Valor at the start of the season, he, he was outstanding Irvin had oh sorry Serwa made 23 more saves than Irving but he gave up two more goals the fact that Callum wasn't nominated for this I just find baffling yeah I really don't think Henry belonged in there personally no I know he had some good moments but he was he's not as good as he's made out to be um Serwa it wasn't just for me it wasn't just his start but it was even after the the home home tournament, he made a number of like like kind of outstanding saves, uh, from from my memory, anyways. That that I think made him stand out, like you know, passing the eye test in addition to the stats test, Michael. You know, like yeah, I think he had a lot of like saves of the week kind of thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, whenever I saw highlights of Valor's games, he always seemed to be the main focus of their games. And it seemed yeah. to like in the games they won, he was their key factor. It seemed like that he was the key factor in keeping them in the game. But I He's agree with you. He's got a bright future ahead of him. I agree sure. with you about Irving, though. Irving should have been on there. I, I mean, for me, from the three that were nominated, I would have gone with Sirwa. Yeah. But I think Callum Irving. And it, it's not Pacific West Coast bias. It's not the fact that we've known Cali for years. He was the best keeper and had the biggest impact for his team. If Valor had made the playoffs, yeah, fair, fair enough. But out of those three, I do think that Jonathan Sirwa deserves it from those three. The thing is, Tristan Henry won the uh, the uh, was the goalkeeper on the team, best eleven, the fan voting. Oh, so he was. He's. I don't know. I I don't know even if Callum was uh, nominated in that either. But there are on the on the fan vote. There's basically uh, uh, five five Pacific players on there. So definitely there were Pacific voting, and there's like four Hamilton players, Forge players. So that's that's fair enough, I guess. And Carducci, by the way, won the uh, best dressed player oh, for the yeah. fan voting. Yeah. His hair is like on point just now. I, I like the his hair growing out. Just uh, hair, miss it. Um, <laughs> the last award, Coach of the Year, the three nominees: Bobby Smirniotis from Forge, Tommy Bowden Jr. from Cavalry. Pamidou from Pacific. Could it have been anyone apart from Pamidou No. Well, I I think no, but there was a lot of people felt Bobby deserved it for what he did in the Canadian Championship, what he did with Forge. But it was a CPL the, the award. League. It's yeah. a CPL award. Yeah, but they, he's a CPL team in those competitions. No, it's a CPL award. It's for that league. It's not, it's not a, it's not because they have, I'm sure CONCACAF has their own awards. I don't think the cup has one, but uh, but it's for the CPL. And so uh, for me, it's what you do in that league. Uh, that's how I would look at it. I would, if I were voting on any of these, I would not even look at those other leagues and the stats to vote yeah. the best players. I, I agree with Steve. This is about what you've done, what you've done in the CPL. Obviously, those other things will impact how people vote, but this is meant to be like a CPL award, not just not just representing the CPL in these other competitions, but what you do actually do in the league. And for and, that, you can't vote against Pamuraka. And, and and typically the coach, the, the coach of the year is not always the coach of the best team. It's the coach that brought the team from a, like a big, like upswing and made a big difference on that. Usually yeah, and the team that makes the, the biggest thing. improvement. Because yeah. he's brought them from semifinalists to champions. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and to yeah. and compared to where they were in the first year, if you look at that whole like span at all totally, he definitely deserves it in this place. Yes. Well, we've done a, a kind of general overview there of the 2021 CPL season. Looked at some of the top performers, the award winners for, for the teams. Let's delve into each team individually now. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to do this to varying de- degrees of, of in-depthness. And we'll kick things off by having a look at the two finalists, Pacific FC, Forge FC, and we will be back with all of that after this. Hey, it's Marco Bustos. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the final track from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for December from the Isle of Wight in England, Wet Leg. That was a song we played a while ago on the show and we're playing it again. Shays Long, taken from their debut album that's coming out in April. Check them out, they're a very exciting band, highly touted big future and big things lie ahead for them in 2022. And I wonder what CPL teams are going to have bright things lying ahead for them in 2022. Can be pretty sure that Pacific FC are one of them and I think can be pretty sure that Forge FC are going to be another one. In the last part of the show we, we looked generally at the season that was in 2021 and some of the top performers In the next two parts, we're going to delve into the teams on an individual basis. Can I break down the highs, the lows, just look over their individual seasons? Some will spend a lot more time on than others. And yes, that's more the Western teams, the ones that interest us the most. And we're going to kick things off by having a look at the champs. Pacific FC under Parmaduka. The dust, it's settled now in their win. How how are you feeling about their season just now, Zach? Yeah, I think they're super super happy with the massive step they took. Uh, we all thought that uh, last year in the Island Games, they, they took a step forward from their inaugural season. And this year, they took another giant step forward. Um, they're the best team in British Columbia. They're the best team in the, the, the National League. Uh, I think you almost couldn't do any better other than if they'd actually won the Voyager's Cup. Um, and so lots of encouragement. And the, the thing about Pacific, we talk about how they play, but it's not just how they play. It's also their extreme commitment to playing like young Canadian players. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the league has had these mandates on minutes for young players and they've continued. Con, uh, I don't know. I, actually, I don't know what it was this year, but I know in the first two years, they just obliterated those those league requirements like they they were by far the uh playing the most young players and whenever i was even i remember the inaugural year when i talked to people from pacific even when things weren't going well they would say but what we were really encouraged about is how much how many minutes we're giving to young canadians and how it's both helping them to improve and kind of discover the level that they're at steve how, how are you feeling about the season what, what do you feel this win will do for the club in terms of growing their fan base and cementing their, their place in Canadian soccer? Huge for them. Um, even if they had just made it, to the the fact that they made it to the finals, I think that would have been huge. But the fact that they were able to take it over the line, um, that takes it to another step for them. Um, they're basically, at this point, especially the way Zach was talking about developing the, the league, uh, the younger players and in ha- constantly having young players on the team as their vital players, I think it, they're almost like the the class of the CPL. Yeah, everybody wants to talk about Forge of uh, being the class of the CPL, but 
the whole point of the CPL is to develop and get players into, you know, into better positions for the long term. And right now, even if they hadn't won the title, I would say they're the class of the CPL because that's what the CPL is trying to do. Yeah. I, you could also say, well done. It's nice to see Whitecaps FC2 finally winning a championship. <laughs> yeah, essentially, that's what it was, it seems like. But that, that shows you that it's like you need this development for these guys. Because once the Whitecaps wind up WFC2, where were these guys going to go? And if it hadn't been for the CPL, you wonder how many of these guys might even have been lost to the game. Yeah. Exactly, and it, uh, we talked about unattached FC. It would have been, mm-hmm. a lot of it would have been there. Um, the thing, the other thing is about them as well is that they brought in the right uh, international players too that fit with those younger players. So there wasn't like a, a like a massive gap. So they did well in doing that too to make, make sure they integrated, you know, that international flavor with the the young players they had, and that was hugely important. Like I said. This team we talked about. Everybody talked about. Oh, Forge was the best team in the CPL because they were the best team during the regular season. I would say that if Bustos was around for the whole year, who knows where this Pacific team would have been? They might have been oh, yeah. so dominant. And if he was in the finals, that would have been a different thing. Maybe they played a different game at that point. They could also have gone even further in the Canadian Championship as well, because obviously Oosh. he went off at half time in that one. Yeah, against TFC. I mean Pacific. With the highest scorers in the league, 47 goals, eight more than second place forged, 13 different players found the score sheet for them, which we were talking about how, how deep they go and how strong they are. 34 goals against was the third best in the league. But it feels to me that that is, if you're looking for improvement, that's where they need to do some work. I, I do feel that they possibly rely on a guy like Lucas McNaughton a little bit too much. And they need to, I, th- I think that's the big focus for me in the off-season, is to try and get some more solid defenders, especially in the centre of defence. I guess the big question now is, how long does Pamaduka stay around? They're in the CONCACAF Champions League next year. No, they're not. They're in the CONCACAF League, even though they're champions. But they're in the CONCACAF League next year. I think Pa would fancy having a, a go and a run at that but I also think if a club from Europe comes in for him or one of the MLS teams he's not going to turn that down Steve it would be hard for him to turn it down um, but uh, and uh, but I think at what, some point there has to be some kind of cutoff of when he's going to leave because then that would put Pacific in a, a tough spot um, so like I said, he we mentioned before he interviewed in FC Dallas. Maybe it was just like a feeling ground for him, the opportunity mm-hmm. to interview, to see what it was like. Um, and Because that's a big experience to interview uh, for teams. Like, I don't know how much the the Pacific job was just given to him or how much he uh, – like, like I, I don't know what the process was there. Like, if they were looking at other people or they saw Pablo Dukan, they saw a great opportunity to bring somebody in, young and fresh with a voice. So yeah, a um, voice, a personality, and a real presence. Yeah, and so I, I uh, my feeling that it, like if uh, and I think I mentioned it before that if he does stick around and he and he performs well in that you know that Concacaf League and it kind of brings Pacific again to another level, that could even give him better opportunities in Europe and abroad. Yeah, for, for me, there's two things when it comes to the two questions. I guess I have. When it comes to Pamuduka's future as a coach with Pacific, 
Um, and the one is, I know, I know it's the, the, the industry, which is not my favorite word to describe, but um, the industry is one, not one of like necessary longevity, right? It's not one that like lasts a long time, but like would a Pamudaka or any, any CPL coach really, would they like, like some guys is obvious, like Robin Gale obviously would have probably loved to stay at Valor for forever if he could have, right? Like if he would have loved to be there for 10 or 20 years, but is Pamudaka someone who would look at like establishing Pacific as the dominant force and like building a dynasty there? Is it something he'd want to do? I don't think he would, but I think it's one question that needs to be asked. The other question I think that needs to be asked is how much will his experience alongside Alan Koch in Cincinnati shape the decision he makes? Because mm. he's seen what it is to go into an MLS club with high hopes and seemingly good resources and all that kind of good fan base and all that kind of stuff. But how he's also seen how quickly it can be taken away or how quickly it can be lost. Obviously, it's a whole thing of him betting on himself and, you know, he's a very confident individual and all that kind of stuff. But I think those are two two things I'd, I'd want I'd want to know if I was asking Pa, off, you know, probably off the off the record is, you know, what could he see himself being at Pacific for a long time? Or is that not really what he thinks is ideal? And how much does what he experienced in Cincinnati shape? you know, him going forward. Because he's, Pamunuka, you know, one of the things which we haven't talked about lots is, I mean, he's a family man who, like, like yeah. loves his family and wants what's best for his family. And uh, I I don't know what happened. I don't know if his family went to Cincinnati, but I'm assuming, if sorry, if they did, I'm assuming that that would not have been a, you know, a fun, fun experience. Yeah. It's, football's one of those things, I guess, Mark always said, his advice to young managers is, don't get married before you you start doing this because it's tough because you're moving around. I mean, what players for you, Zach, do you feel are ready to make a move to a higher level now at Pacific? Move on to bigger and better things, whether that's MLS or overseas. Is there anyone like Marco Bustos? Yeah, obviously he would be one. The rest I'm not sure about, to be honest. Well, see, here's the thing. I think the rest could be could I, I think the rest I think in particular Michael like it's there are so many former white caps there that I think that there are a number of them who they deserve a chance at an MLS or maybe a, a a European you know smaller country level when it's not connected to the white caps you know what I mean I feel like they, they that that could bring out of them and and help them you know, succeed and do their best and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think obviously Marco is the one that stands out. But um, yeah, even like Taron Campbell, I think has done quite a bit. I think a Caden Chung would be, you know, a, a serviceable player in MLS. I think for sure there are other. I think I think even you know people like Callum. Um, I think has potential, and then there's people like who who you know improve themselves drastically there. Like you talked about McNaughton. I don't know. if He's quite ready to be be at that level, but there's some quality there that I think could be unearthed. But it's I think it does have to be in the right situation because I, I don't think it would be serve any of them. Now it might serve their pocketbooks, but it might not I don't think it serves any of them the best to go and like sit on the, an MLS bench or a USL bench no. or uh, a Belgian first division bench, you know. Uh, I mean or, the thing is, yeah, they'll be rewarded better. Yes. It's weighing that up, and you're away from home potentially, and yep. yeah, it's tough. 
The one player I would definitely say that would be, fit that bill would be Caden Chung, and he could make the probably the jump the easiest out of everybody because he plays yeah. a position where it's just like up and down the field, and he's he's shown so much improvement over the years too. Like it's a meteoric rise for him, and and he's able to service the ball, but play also a strong defensive game. Yep. I mean, a fantastic season for Pacific. I am so excited that the CONCACAF League international competition is going to be coming to Starlight Stadium. I so want to get over for those games. Hopefully the the fixtures and the dates and everything allows for that. So one of the the good things that Pamaduka has done at Pacific, he's done many things obviously, but he's had a nice mesh of homegrown domestic talent and adding some key international pieces. One of the pieces that he added this year, Irishman Ollie Bassett, featured a lot for Pacific this season. We chatted to him earlier this year. We found out a lot of things about him. But the one thing we hadn't found out, what is Ollie Bassett's takeout food of choice? Well, let's find out as Ollie takes me out. Take me out! So if, if you can't be bothered cooking, you're deciding to have a, a takeaway for the night, what would be your takeaway food of choice? Back home, I used to eat a lot of like, you know, Nando's. Oh, yeah. That's not, it's not really takeaway because I used to go in and sit down with like my mates and stuff because they don't really deliver. Yeah. Um, but if I was, if I was sitting at home and I wanted a takeaway, I'd, I'd order Chinese for sure. There used to be a Nando's in Victoria. I don't know if there still is or not. Like on yeah. the main streets, so you you might be in luck. Yeah, I hope there is. I haven't I haven't had one over here yet. Um, a few of the boys said there's one in Vancouver, but I can't I can't go all the way there just for Nando's. No, P- probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie Bassett there, fancying a cheeky wee Nando's or failing that, some good Chinese food. And I know there's a, a couple of really good Chinese restaurants in Victoria. I've enjoyed them over the years. But that fun little segment wraps up our chat now about Pacific. So let's turn our attention to the the other team that got to the CPL Championship game. The team that won the regular season. The team that got to the semi-finals of the CONCACAF League. Of course, that's Forge FC. Forge, obviously, one of the teams we'll talk about in a little bit of detail. Because they might not have won it, they might not have done the dynasty, they might not have three-peated, but it was a fantastic season for mm-hmm. Forge and Bobby Smyrniotis. At the end of it, though, no silverware. They reached the semis of the Canadian Championship, lost in penalties to Montreal. So close to get into another final that maybe even would have been played this time if they'd reached it. <laughs> maybe they'll still win the 2021. I mean, it might get played at some point. They reached the semi-finals of the CONCACAF League as well. By doing that, reaching the CONCACAF Champions League, 
and they've got a very tough draw against Cruz Azul. But wow, what a, what an occasion that's going to be for them going to play in Mexico against Cruz Azul and having Cruz Azul come into Tim Hortons Field as well. Hopefully the place is buzzing and it, it might not sell out, but hopefully they, they pack the crowd in for that one. They finished first in the regular CPL season on goal difference, just ahead of Cavalry. 16 wins, 2 draws, 10 losses, 39 goals, 4, which was the second best in the league. Defensively, they only gave up 24, 6 better than the nearest team. Babouli and Paceus led the way on 7 goals apiece, but the goals were pretty spread out across the team. 15 different players scored for them, which kind of shows the depth and the threat that they've got all, all over. They're the team that the, the rest of the league still want to emulate. And by being that first Canadian team in the Champions League in 2022 is a massive achievement for them. I mean, what did you make of their, their season? They are still the, the shining light of, of the CPL, you've got to say. Yeah, I think they've done a lot of things right, including making key good decisions early on, like bringing in Bobby Smiriotis, a coach who, uh, you know, developed so many talented players and teams in, in the local academy there in Sigma and uh, in close proximity to, to Hamilton. But uh, I think that like they've made good decisions like that. Obviously they're like we've talked about before, they're owned by the backers of the league or the biggest backers of the league. Um, and they put the money where their mouth is in terms of, uh, you know, getting a lot of, a lot of things, right. Like a Smyrna Jonas um, and, and bringing in players that, you know, like Becker who Bobby had, you know, had nurtured his talent, right? Um, bringing in other good good players who have been on this their, the local scene, like Babuli. Um, and then each year they've had kind of this stalwart Canadian center back, right? Like they had um, David Edgar, and then I know Yakovic didn't quite work out in the same same way, but um, they they've just been really smart in how they've gone about things. And you're right, people want to emulate them because they've been successful, and. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what, how they deal with this type of adversity, the adversity of not being the best, of not winning uh, the, the the North Star Shield. And it should light a fire because, like, once you've been on fire. top, you want to get yeah, you want to yeah, get you, back. You would you would hope. I mean, we I mean we're not Forge fans, so we we we're happy that they didn't win. And it and you see uh, when you listen to what's going on in Pacific in terms of it sounds like. They, they're selling out of all their merch and there's like uh, a, a significant uptake in uh, season tickets and stuff. You kind of I never what... got the Lighthouse jersey. I meant to buy it and I thought, I'll wait till it goes half price and I'll get it and then it's all sold out. Yeah. Um, but it would have been interesting to see what, what the uptake would have been in Hamilton had they won again, yeah. right? Because they've had like good crowds for the league, but they obviously are in a stadium that allows them to to do even more. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I think I think also with the the I, I think well in the Golden Horseshoe they can continue to grow their presence, right? Obviously, they they have a giant to the north east of them. Yeah, don't ask um, me about Ontario geography. Yeah, sort of the north, just around the around the lake. It's like around the corner from them. They have they have this this giant that they're always going to have to deal with in yeah. one sense. But like uh, you know, I even things like. The, the World Cup qualifying being played in their stadium, right? Like, th- like that's. I wonder how much that will help them. 
um, you know, well, they, they've put Hamilton on the map because it's. I, I like yes. the the draw for the CCL. It it had for FC Hamilton. Yeah, because if you look at the logo, you've absolutely no idea of what that team is, which which is one thing. But I mean, the the tough thing, Steve, is the Champions League is mid February, so the the CPL season's probably not going to start till April. They've got a tough Mexican team coming. They're yeah. in tough. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, we, uh, the one thing you can, they can't complain about is the congestion of games, for sure, for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, they'll be well-rested. Yeah, so the thing is, is we, we, we said that, you know, that's part of the, you know, being successful. I think Zach mentioned it a couple of shows ago. Um, and, and But if you do have to put into, you know, the thing that they were, like, the, conge- the fixture congestion was crazy for them, especially the fact that, not the the that played a part, big part in that the CPL did not have a set schedule. Like yeah. the, the games were all over the place, so they, it was hard for them to figure out where they're going to play. But they had games and then, postponed and pushed back. They had tons of injuries early in the season. And then the Voyagers Cup uh, didn't help either because there was yeah. games put there where it was. We, were they going to play this week or were they going to play the next week? The, the not only did the fixture congestion have a hard in them, but the fact that they didn't know when the games were going to happen. There was no set schedule to start mm-hmm. off the season, and that hurt. Um, Hamilton, yeah, it's been a tough year for them because they, they hosted two finals, Canadian finals, and they lost both of them. Uh, the Tiger Cats lost the, this past week at home. So it's it's <laughs> clearly they got to host the games, but they didn't win. So that's tough for the Hamilton people. But I, I agree with that. The, the, this loss will definitely bring them up. But the one thing about... Like you mentioned, Pa earlier. Like, should he move on? Like, if anybody really deserves to move on, it's Bobby. Because the yeah, because he's 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 taken this he's taken this team to a high level, not only in the league but outside the league as well. So he he should be getting a lot of love. I believe he deserves the chance there, and I believe he went deep in the process for Montreal uh, when they they took Wilfried Nancy on. See, yeah, I agree. He's he deserves the chance, but again, I wonder. Um, yeah, I wonder how much he would like to expand his legacy in in Hamilton yeah. in, in the, the community of the Gold. Being Wars. in the Champions League is definitely something he's going to want to be part of yeah. for that. But, but when you have three Canadian teams hiring coaches this year, and Bobby Smirniotis didn't get any of those jobs, he's not going to be getting in the MLS you would think but well I, you might have to do like Riri and, and flee mm. which it's a sad state of affairs really but he's a guy I think he deserves to get a shot at something bigger just to see what he can do but I, I think he's very happy there that, that's the thing and he's a family man they're settled and so we'll see what happens it, Ford, the, one, the, the one thing that would be interesting for them because I know this is one thing they complained about this year is they didn't have a real like on because of the re- restrictions in Ontario, their preseason was hindered. Which yes. they they basically you know he said in the the build up to the final that uh, the the time in Winnipeg was their preseason, and so it'll be interesting to see. I, I know Ontario as we speak is not in a great place with the Omicron variant, mm-hmm. and they they're going to be doing some restrictions uh, or they they have some restrictions that are impl- they're re implementing. I've been told by family in Ontario that kids are being told to take all their stuff home from school at at, at the break, just in case they don't come back after the break and all that kind of stuff. 
So uh, hopefully it... Um... So what you're saying is that game against Cruz Azul is getting moved to BC Place. Fantastic. <laughs> no, but seriously, for them, hopefully it's like not... Hopefully there aren't restrictions that prohibit them from training for that, right? Yeah. Like, that would be... Because they're, really they're already in deep with not playing any games and yeah good luck to them anyway although we we didn't want them to beat pacific i've been cheering them on in yeah. the canadian championship and the Concacaf league because you you're wanting them to do well yeah plus have a lot of time for david edgar and they, they definitely missed his presence on yeah, the back line i can't remember i told you i got to see david at the game at the game in uh in no. edmonton yeah, after after the game, oh. after they lost to Edmonton, I got the just a couple minutes to chat with David. It was nice. Lot, lot of time for David. Yeah, he's the Absolutely one guy you didn't give a shout out to. Yeah, he, yeah, I think he possibly was. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the two finalists covered as we break down the eight teams in the CPL. We're going to look at the rest now. After this. Hi, I'm Dana Klanikin. I'm. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. One of one of the great productions that we have in Canada. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, since it's our New Year's show, end of 2021, start of 2022, I thought I'd play a a song that kind of captures this moment, well, kind of. It's from Pete Doherty's band, Baby Shambles. That was from their debut album, 2005's Down in Albion. And that was the 32nd of December. So in the last part, we looked at two of the eight CPL teams and their 2021 season with a look ahead to what might be in store for them in 2022. They were the two finalists in this year's championship game. But what about the others? The six teams trying to emulate those two sides and make it to next year's championship game. Well, let's have a look at them just now. And for three of them... There's been some managerial changes over the course of the season. We'll get into all that and a lot more now. But let's kick things off with the the team that finished second in the championship standings over the regular season. Fell to Pacific FC though in the semi-finals. And that is of course Tommy Fielding Jr.'s Cavalry FC. Now, the Cavs had another great regular season. They finished second... Just missing first place. One point would have given it to them. They had 14 wins, 8 draws, 6 defeats. 50 points was tied with Forge, but they'd scored 11 goals less than Forge. How did you feel about them this season, Zach? It it feels 
a disappointment in some ways for them just because they only got to the semi-stage for the second season running. And that's the that's the high bar that Tommy Fielden Jr. has set for this team. Yeah, it feels like after winning the first two halves of the inaugural season and then not winning that title, like that heartbreak against Forge in the, the first uh the first final. Um yeah, I think was it is like it's like they they're sort of decrescendoing, it feels like. But they're but they're not in terms of like they're still like an amazingly run club or sorry I think they're a quality run club uh, in terms of the fo- the the football side of their operation I think Tommy Wilden is yeah the upper upper crust upper class of of the coaching uh, the coaches in the league and someone who I have a lot of time and respect for um, and like you said yeah I think they they do a respectable job with support and that kind of stuff and they have a like an intriguing little stadium. Um, I, I loved it. Like when I went there two years ago or a year and a half ago now, it was fantastic. I was like, wow. And I, I know it's not a proper football stadium, no. but just the look of it. When I went there before, like just to dis- discover the place before oh, they built Oh, yeah, I remember because you sent us the yeah. video. Yeah. 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 Like I was just like, this place can be magical. Like you can just, you could see how it can be magical. Yeah. And they've turned it into that. But so there, it feels like it, there may be decrescendoing, but I think that. Um, uh, hopefully they're just. Uh, hopefully they can re, 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 regroup and recalibrate so that they can kick on and actually get to that final and win that final. Because I mean, t- I mean, all of us said at the time like we felt like they were the real winners of the inaugural year, right? Like they yes, were the. I, Tommy the has league. said that himself. He fully believes that. Whenever he gets the chance, he still has. Well, if it was normal, <laughs> and yeah. you had the champions at the end of the regular season, but yeah, and I, I, full, I fully agree. I fully agree with him. So yeah, I think, I think too, they, there's a like they have put together a quality squad, and they have always managed to bring in like quality players, even if they're only there for a year or two. And I think Tommy Wilden's. I think though, that that could be where they've gone wrong because they I, have I, such massive turnover. They they did have a lot of turnover, like going into this season. Like if you look at the players that left, like, uh, and I know that not some of them are like might not have been their past their prime, like Marcus Haber. Um, hey, he's crushing it in Cambodia. And Zatour, <laughs> Dominic Zatour left. Uh, that was so did probably Paul, a big loss. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, and and I think another player, what's that, Nico Pascotti or something like that. Was, oh yeah, yeah. He he. So they did lose some players, but you're right. They brought in some quality players too. Maybe there were some chemistry issues. Maybe they they were fitting the wrong pieces. Well, they, together. they had tons of injuries as well. But then yeah. I think every team can probably say that this season it's, for sure. It's because the games were coming thick and fast. It's like these guys had no time to rest at all. Just just for reference sake. I was not joking about Marcus Haber. He's played 17 games for his team in Cambodia. And guess how many goals he has? 84. <laughs> no. My, uh, Steve, can you guess? 22. Seven, 17 matches. If he's crushing it, I want more than one a game. He's probably he's probably on pace for like about, about a one a game, I guess. So it, 17. It's, it's an exact 17. Oh, oh, okay. That's disappointing to me after the build-up that you had. I expect that. Well, if you compare it to his last couple of years. I have to say, Cambodian League is one thing I have not been wasting my, my hours on over the, the course of the year. Don't make me add that to my schedule. I have enough. 
I'm, so you're you're not going to watch the Hun Sen Cup at all? It's not in your plans to watch that. It might be now. Is okay. Marcus in it? Is he in the final? I don't know. We'll see. Oh. I mean, you talk about guys moving on. So they lost Joel Waterman, and now they've yes. lost Mo Farsi. So they're losing key defensive pieces, and. I think where they need to really improve, they need to get another top quality striker in that's going to be double digits. Because Joe Mason led the team with seven goals. He had a great season. He only he did that in only 15 games because of injuries. But they need to have that guy that, that can step up, hit double digits. Mason might be one of them, but they need another guy with him. Because after him, Sergio Camargo and Anthony Novak had four goals apiece. And four teams scored more goals than them in the league this season. If you want to be in a championship game, if you want to win, you need to score more goals. And I think that's that's basically what Cavalry need to do. At the back, I was very impressed by their Dutchman, 23-year-old centre-back, Dan Klomp. One of the standout guys for me this season. He looks an excellent prospect got three goals as well so they've got the defensive making there but they they need to work on their their attacking game let's move on to fc edmonton the other alberta side there's another season of building for the eddies this time under new head coach alan Koch. it was a struggle for them at times they finished the season second bottom just six wins 10 draws 12 defeats that was the joint lowest number of wins in the league alongside ottawa the third most draws and the third most defeats. Their 34 goals was the joint third lowest in the league. It was the same though as Cavalry and we, we talked about that. So that shows you if Cavalry scoring the same amount of goals as a team that doesn't make the playoffs, they need their improvement there. Where it all went wrong though for the Aries was they gave up 41 goals and it was the second worst total in the league. They ended up finishing second bottom. Eight points adrift from the post-season. And they were ruled out fairly early down the stretch, really. Can Alan turn this around? What what does he need to do to to do it? And how do the Eddies become relevant in this league? Well, have you have you heard the rumours that the uh, Fath family might be selling? Yeah. And got- that surprised me. And I, it's whether there's a buyer. Is no, the thing. Uh, Oh, I heard there was a, a potential buyer. That's why it's being talked about. Um, I can't remember all the all the details, but I, I saw a thing just recently from some of the supporters talking about it. Um, I think that is honestly, I think that is um, a much needed step for them. I think the the fats cannot be um, uh, you can't they can't be understated the contributions they've made to football in Edmonton, especially in this generation. However. I don't. I don't think they have what it takes to actually take like carry the club forward to where it needs to go. And I think people in Edmonton have been saying this for a while, including before CPL. Um, but I think it's become kind of crystal clear that that needs to happen now um, or sooner rather than later. And so, I, for the sake of the supporters and the sake of football in Edmonton, I hope that someone can pick up the torch and 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 keep keep it going forward because to me, I think that is the essential thing that needs to get done. I think they think the behind the scenes stuff, uh, which infects, uh, impacts their engagement in community. They, they need to get their crowd goals. numbers up. I, I, one way of doing that, obviously, Steve, is to get a winning team on the pitch. It, it just feels that Allen's in for a, a tough season next year as well. 
it all depends on what he can do in recruiting, uh, where he can find these players, uh, yep. his he contacts needs to and be everything. Busy and use some of these contacts. Because the thing is, like, he was great at recruiting players when he was at SFU. Mm-hmm. Like, he was great. That was his main goal. I mean, I mean, and he got guys are, out of academies and, and stuff in England and in Academies. And... Yeah. And then out of Germany as well. He got players out of there. So um, if he can find those players to go with the Canadians that he has, um, Edmonton's uh, like has developed players. Like there, there, there's a, like obviously we're going to talk about like we could talk about Alfonso Davies, but there's been other players from Edmonton and the surrounding Alberta yes, area. So, so many in the Whitecaps so, Academy over the years. So, but yeah, guys. so there's definitely like a, a spot for to bring players in. It's just a matter of identifying them and building those contacts. Not like we talked about, not only contacts internationally, but build those contacts locally too, because we don't know how well previous or coaches and managers have done that um, locally and brought that community together. Maybe Alan can do that. Maybe it might take him a couple of years to do that, but eventually maybe he can get it done. Just to wrap up our thoughts on Edmonton, what's your thoughts on Easton Ungaro? Second top scorer in the league with 12 goals. I don't know. I still, I feel bad saying this about the guy. You, I still you don't rate think, him, right? I, yeah. I just yeah. don't think he's that good a player. I was there. I was there when he scored that twelfth goal, and it was a, a, a nice finish. I, I think he has all the like the the physical capabilities to like dominate in CPL. Um, it's just I think he needs to improve a little bit. But I think it's also would he do better on a different team? Oh yes, I think so. Mm. I, I no and no disrespect to Allen. I'm not saying Allen. I mean, Allen Allen got twelve goals out of him, which I think is respectable. But um, I think for him, just the change of scenery might help. And being in someone else's system, maybe who can utilize him a little bit better might might be might be good for him. But I, I think despite the fact that, you know, he's this big kind of gangly, tall striker who can score goals, I, I think um, even though he is someone who could maybe try some, something else, whether it's a USL or, or a lower league in Europe, he's the kind of – he's he, – him specifically, I think he needs to stay in CPL until he wins the golden boot by like a lot or like, or he's very dominant, you know what I mean? Before he takes a step somewhere else, you know, unlike Mo Farsi. Mo Farsi, I think, yeah, he's a player who could go somewhere else and it might, it would be good for him. I think Angaro needs to prove more that he's dominant in his role um, before he goes somewhere else. But, but I, I do a little bit more than you, Michael. I do rate him and I do, I do think there's, I, I think uh, there's something there. I just I don't think I've seen the best on Garo yet, and I think that was why I asked would he maybe be better in a different team. Obviously, a guy that scores twelve goals has something. I I just think I've seen some games where he's just looked off the pace yep. or just not taking his chances, and the amount of chances or goals he could have had if he'd taken some of those chances. And I know you can say that about a lot of players, but. The, consistency. Yeah. The last Western team, as I like to think of them, Valor FC, friend of the show, Phil DeSantis, took over late in the season and he made a good late run of it for the playoffs but fell short by a point in the end. They could and should have been top four, especially after the start they had, but they blew it in the last game against Edmonton as it, as it turned out. A win there would have got them in. They had 10 wins this season, 5 draws, 13 defeats, second most losses in the league. And that is what cost them not being able to turn some of those defeats into draws. They started strong. 
they finished strong. The wheels came off somewhere after the bubble and it cost Rob Gale his job. Their first eight games were at home at IG Field. Six wins, two defeats. First three games, they kept clean sheets. 2-0 wins on all of them. Six of their wins there saw them shut out their opponents. Where did it all go wrong after that, Zach? Starting at home was massive for them. And they just, they were so fortunate to be in that position and they just really just failed to to build on it. I think they suffered from some injuries, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, they're, really, they're really another team that, that that were hit hard in the end. They also lost, like, a, I think they lost. Didn't they lose Dunn? Like, Dunn was a low knee from TFC, mm-hmm. who was, like, I think really massive at the Island Games for them, and, and they lost him. Um, obviously, going back a year or two years, or they lost they lost a home a homegrown. They lost a local kid like a Bustos. So I, I think there 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 were some things that were kind of kind of negative for them. But yeah, I feel bad for obviously for Rob Gale and how things collapsed and how they ended for him because he is someone who has given so much to the game in Canada and given so much to the game locally uh, in Manitoba that uh, it's a, I think a huge loss. But I, I agree with you that. It's exciting to see PDS there. Um, yeah, I think he. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he, something. Yeah, how he can, what he can do over the, the course of a full season with a full preseason and all that. I mean, Mark always said to Steve that that Phil he felt was a better coach and was one of the best coaches in Canada. He's got the chance now to prove it. And there's goals in this team. They scored 38. It's the third highest in the league. The Kiwi Moses Dyer hit nine. William Akio hit eight. But they gave up 36. I mean, you think they gave up 36 and they started the the season with six clean sheets and you're and, like, whoa. And they have the best keeper. Yeah. So it's clearly it's, it's clearly something in the in the defending in the back line. Uh, it's very it's almost like a similar thing to the Whitecaps where they have the best keeper, but they keep letting goals in. Yeah. Um, uh, the thing, one thing, well, I don't know if Zach, I might have missed was if Zach mentioned this, but Brett Levi's. He's supposed oh, to be yes. like their main player on the team, and he yes. can't see on the field. He had and a that's couple difficult. of injuries again this season, yeah. And, and, yeah. That, and like everybody else, like injuries played a part, but that's somebody that we know it deals and, with a lot yeah. of injuries. And right they now. lost, and another, that's another player they lost. They lost Frazier Aird from the year before, who yeah. I think at this level is one of the, should be, and, and, I mean, well, he's up for goal of the year, which I know is not saying a lot, but he at this level, he should be one of the better players in the league. And to lose him, I thought was a, kind of a yeah. an unfortunate thing. We'll just rattle through the remaining three teams. No disrespect to the other three teams, but it's not teams that we watched a, a lot of, or I certainly didn't this year. So York made the playoffs for the first time. They made hard work of getting there down the stretch. It was in their own hands for weeks, and then it looked like they'd blown it, and then they got in. Only eight wins, but 12 draws, which is the highest in the league. And only eight defeats, which is the second lowest in the league after Cavalry. No player, though, scored more than six goals, although three of them did that. The semi-final loss to Ford saw the end of the Jim Brennan era. And I, that was still a big surprise to me. I know we're not close to the team, so maybe there's things going on that we didn't know. But you get to the players for the first time. You've only got eight defeats on the season. It still doesn't make sense to me. Especially considering that they were like one of the youngest teams in the league too, mm-hmm. um, with a lot. I think there's of, a lot for them to build on. Yeah, so I think that, that there is a definitely a lot, and they, you know, they, they, the one game I watched of them, they put in a good show against Pacific, 
yeah, sure, there was a lot of rough, like questionable referee calls in there, but uh, ref calls. But overall, they put in a good show. They were able to win away from home, and they kept their playoff spot alive at that point. Well, and even that the was semi against Forge, they put in a good shift, and I think they yeah. won twice in in Forge during the season. So they have yeah, some they have some good young players like the, the, uh, like I hey, Johnson and. Abzi obviously is a is a big player, and Steve, do they, they still have your favorite, uh, your old favorite, your old buddy, favorite, favorite interview, Michael yes. Petrasso is still there, right? Well, can't say favorite interview because they never got to interview. All oh, right, right. Fourth, not good enough. So they're obviously demanding higher standards there. But the, the one thing I haven't, I meant to look this up or talk to people, but didn't like wasn't Jim Brennan supposed to be like one of the owners? Yeah, his general manager as well was. I think he's also part owner as well hasn't he been released of all his duties at the club yeah i think so so is he still an owner or did someone buy him out or like that i don't know that uh, he might have he might have shares in there but he might not have like voting shares or something like that but whatever i don't think he sacked himself but he might have maybe Maybe he was so whilst the departure of jim brennan was a a bit of a a shock for us uh, with, with york united i think the man that was appointed to replace him, it kind of caught me a little bit by surprise. But the more I've had time to think about it, I think it's a good appointment. And the the man that has taken over, a man very well known to us here in Whitecaps land, he's our captain, Martin Nash. He's now not a captain. Well, I guess he's the captain of the York United ship, but he's a new head coach at York. What did you think about that one, Steve? It seemed to to come from nowhere. He's been the number two to Tommy Bielden Jr. in the past three seasons in the CPL and then before that in the, the PDL. And he was with Marcus oh, yeah. Santos too. Yeah, Ottawa as well. There. So, yeah. So, so he's got a lot of experience. Out being, at some point. Yeah, a lot of experience under qualified coaches and everything like that. So he's, he's, he's taken his time. He's not jumped into something that he might not be ready for. He's learned under good, like I said, good coaches, good organizations. And now it's basically, I think it's a very good time for him to get going. I kind of, when I heard the announcement, I was hoping that he would delay his wanting to be a coach for another year when the Fraser Valley team or for a couple of years with the Fraser Valley team, that would have been ideal to bring him back here. Uh, But I'm, I'm very happy for him. He obviously has been in Ontario before being with Ottawa. So he knows the lay of the land there. Um, It's a very young team. Um, so again, something that he's probably learned with Calvary dealing with young players and stuff like that. So uh, overall, a great appointment. Um, he, he, I, don't, I don't think he's been a head coach before this, if I'm not don't mistaken. Think so, no. so, so this is a, a good first step into a team that's on, on the up and rise. The only negative I have is now I cannot hate York as much as I used to before. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's one of those things. It's great. All these guys that's getting the coaching appointments, we've got good relationships with them. So that that should bode well for the, the, the show moving forward. I hadn't actually thought of the fact that if he delayed it a year or so, he could have got the the lower mainland Fraser Valley gig as well. So, But I mean, it, it feels like a, the perfect time for him to move on, Zach. He's going to a team that showed a lot of promise. They've got something to build on. They got into the playoffs for the first time. Steve said they're used to working with with, with young players at, at Cavalry and at Foothills before that. It's, it's exciting to see what he can do. And I think it is the perfect time for him to branch out now and, and be a head coach in his own right. 
It is a it is a really exciting time and really excited for for Martin, as you guys have said. Um, I think he's yeah paid his dues coaching uh, some youth stuff and then uh, being an assistant coach uh, a number of times. And I think the experience, especially the working with Mark DeSantos and then with Tommy Wilden, will serve him well, um, or will prepare him well for this. And yeah, I'm really excited to see um, to see another Canadian get an opportunity at coaching in this league because the league is about developing football holistically in our country. And so, yeah, this is, this is a, another good, good sign of that in terms of the opportunity to be in the lower mainland or whatever. Yeah. I mean that you never know, that could be an opportunity down the road, but I think when you're someone like him, you kind of got to strike while the iron's hot, you know, you got to take the opportunities yeah. where you can, especially at the stages he, he's at. And so I think this will be a good first opportunity for him. I agree with you there because you never know. He might not be in. They might have somebody else they're looking at for his okay. role. So if there's an opportunity and there's a, a to move up, it definitely got to take it. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what a Martin Nash style team is going to play like as well. And as you see, what he learned from the coaches that he's worked under before. So wish Martin all the very best. We'll try and get a chat with him early in the the new year. See how he's settling in out there at York. Halifax made the championship game last year, didn't make the playoffs this year. Interesting start to to the bubble, saw head coach Stephen Hart sidelined with heart issues, but thankfully made a full recovery. I mean, you've got to say it was a disappointing season for the Wanderers after reaching the, the championship the year before. They finished sixth, just one point off the playoffs, eight wins, 11 draws, nine defeats, they were the lowest scorers in the league with 28 goals, and half of them came from João Morelli. 34 goals against was the third best in the league. They, yeah, they should have been in the playoffs. If they can add another striker that can get these goals with Morelli and a bit of creativity in midfield, they'll be back up again. Because they've re-signed João Morelli right, for yes. another year or two. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great, great sign for them. So yeah. I'd be amazed if they don't come back again next year stronger. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much Hart kind of turns over that squad. Because obviously in his first year, there was quite a few players he brought in that, you know, he made quite, I just remember significant changes to the second year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens from year three to four. And, and they're another team that's fairly young. There's not very many veterans there. So it, 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 it's uh, it's a good sign that they could possibly build on on what they have right now and see if they, you know, able to keep it going. At some point, Stephen Hart's going to to walk away and retire and they need to make sure they've got a good team and a good succession planning there. So last team to talk about, Ottawa, rock bottom, 26 points, six wins, eight draws, 14 defeats, 30 goals for, 47 goals against, only three clean sheets over the season, which tells you everything. We have thought for a while that Mr's coat was on a sugly peg, as I, I like to say, to use my Scottish expression. We were surprised that he hadn't been d- dismissed at the end of the season. Nothing against Mr. He's a lovely guy and he is a, a, a good coach. But we felt, and we talked about this before, that the pressure from the parent club in Madrid 
is for success. And he's had two seasons, albeit two very unusual seasons, and he hasn't really taken the team forward. But the fact that they, the end of the season came and went and they hadn't uh, parted ways with him, I thought, oh, well, he, he obviously is staying into to 2022. But then just this week, seemingly from from nowhere, from, from my point of view, very surprising, Steve, that they, they pulled the trigger now in some regard, but in other regards, it's not surprising at all. And it's just really, I guess the big surprise is why it took so long for them to to decide to part ways with them. Yeah, um, I I don't know, like, uh, I, I don't recall, you're going to have to remind me a little bit, was it was there any mention of it being a mutual parting of ways or was no. it all on one side? Okay. No. Um, Mister put out a lovely statement on social media just thanking the, the club and the fans for his time there and yeah. just saying, sorry, I, I couldn't bring the success that, that you wanted, but we've built something and we're something to build upon. I, I don't know. I, I just felt that he wasn't moving the team forward. Yeah, I I, I just like there. And, and there were a couple of moments too uh, that tournament that they had on the island where he did. He seemed kind of disinterested. Um, it didn't, maybe maybe it was just his the way he is in, in his coaching style or something like that. Uh, but sometimes that doesn't work all the time, especially with younger players. They they had a decent lineup, like and they. While there's only one player on loan from Atletico Madrid, uh, there are several players from Spain. I don't know. I don't know how good they are or, or what their quality is. Uh, but you got like Drew Becky on the team, who's a decent player. In the uh, Ben McKendry, we've talked about him mm. multiple times. Uh, Verho- Zach Verhoeven. Zach Verhoeven's highly rated now as a yeah, fullback. I don't know if he's kind of made the the transition to. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name correctly or not because I know there's a different pronunciations for two different Verhoeven. Yeah, he, yeah, he's Verhoeven. Okay, um, so uh, yeah, they're they have decent players. They got they got loaning players from TFCs in Montreal. Um, so maybe they just saw that they should have been better and they they want to go with a different coach. Now, is is that new coach going to be have an Atletico Madrid background or are they going to bring in somebody local that knows the lay of the land in, mm. in Ontario? Well, I mean, that's one of the the things, Zach. The rumour mill today is linking Nick Dazovic with the the job. Dazovic just now currently the under-19 head coach at the Whitecaps. I think a lot of people were expecting him to maybe move up to the under-23 role with the Whitecaps organisation. I'm not really sure where his name came from, but that seemed to be the chatter on Twitter today. We're recording this on Wednesday the, the 29th. That... I think would be a little bit of a surprise, but Mr. Going certainly not as, as surprising. Yeah, it's it's weird what what the delay was. I guess <clears throat> I guess maybe the mothership wanted to do some maybe more soul searching or end of season interviews with players or who knows what. But it was pretty obvious that in his time in Ottawa, which we I think we need to also fairly say that it it was not. He, he never served the club in any kind of with any when there was any kind of normalcy around the club, right? Yeah, it was the island games. It was that's uh, what's really tough. Yeah, so I, I feel bad for him in that in that uh, in that respect because he is kind of a known as being a like a good servant and a, and a big part of like Atletico Madrid and stuff. So, um, 
feel bad like feel bad feel bad in that sense but i mean yeah we all knew we all felt like this is something that was going to maybe happen even you know early in the year if not <laughs> if not before the end so uh, no surprises there's one surprise of what you talk about is nick dasovich i i i rate nick dasovich i think he's quality i think uh, he's going to be in the cpl for sure i think one day i think uh i don't see this being the the his initial voyage in it uh, and I might be wrong, but and I don't I don't know where these like you I don't know where these rumors are coming from. But um, I don't think it's I mean I think he's qualified. I think he would be another like Martin Nash. He would be another good Canadian who has a who's given a, an opportunity like this. But I just don't think this is quite the fit for him. No, um, I mean Dazovich. A couple of folks threw his name out when MDS went as oh could he not be a guy that takes over? He hasn't been a head coach at a high level for many, many years. But it doesn't seem, as you say, a, a great fit for what you think Ottawa are trying to do there under Atletico. And I mean, that whole thing, I still find a very strange tie-up to begin with. The fact that they haven't, and I, I guess COVID's played a part, but they haven't had more players come over from the parent club or even the youth side or whatever, you think they would try and explore that a bit more. And if they do want to keep close ties, I I don't know, do they go for somebody that's already in their system? I mean, Mark DeSantis is a guy that obviously knows Ottawa very well from his days at the Fury. Would he be keen to do that? Would he see that as a backward step? But at the same time, he would have a tie-in with a European club that if he impressed and did well there, it could open doors for him over in Europe. I think the last time I talked to Mark DeSantis about this kind of thing, I don't think CPL was what he was looking to be his next step. So I would be surprised if he ended up there. But yeah, I guess it is the one, you're right, it is the one CPL club uh, with uh, an, uh, an interesting potential pathway to Europe. But I think I think Mark DeSantis is looking at other things um, that would be a little bit more different than you know, CPL or... Uh, MLS or, or MLS in Canada or whatever. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye closely on this one, but certainly a lot of managerial changes in the last year or so in CPL, so pressure is on all the coaches now there. But that is it for our look at the 2021 CPL season, our year in review. That's not it for this episode, though. We will be back after the break chatting about the new potential team that's coming to the CPL in 2023 in Vancouver or the Lower Mainland and a quick look at League One BC. I will be back chatting all about that after this. Hi, I'm Alan Koch and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. A new year coming up again, a fresh start from the calendar, no January fears. A new year coming up again, a fresh start to the calendar, no January fears. My new year's resolution, do the same but more and keep at it, keep rapping, never fall to the floor. Never fall or get more and keep pushing the door, it's almost open for the scotch. Hip hop at the core and I'm loving that. Run it by, hit them with another track, let them come, we hear every year and we punt in that. You just kick it, we flip it, you see the map breaking down the lines and we move into the other parts. Apart from that, it's a clean slate Start with a bang like it's New Year's Day Hey, Happy New Year 
ears meet See the fireworks here as I write on this page You see a slight spark, bright light shines a light past And I ain't talking about when I'm flicking that white ash We pass round dope through the form of a mic grasp The concept on this, make it a tight start A new year coming up, a gear, a fresh start On the calendar, no January fear A new year coming up, a gear, a fresh start On the calendar, no January fear Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's friend of the show, Word SOS, with Conscious Root. And that's their song from 2012 called New Year. I was going through all my New Year songs that I could think of. And of course, if Word's got one, what a perfect way to, to bring in Hogmanay than with some Scottish rap. So, one more part for this episode, and we're going to be turning our attention back to British Columbia. We're going to look at League One BC shortly, but before we get into that, we've talked a lot, obviously, about the CPL. It's our our CPL end of year review. Why would we not do that? We haven't really, in the last couple of weeks, talked about the, the recent announcement that the lower mainland stroke Vancouver is getting a CPL team in 2023. It's an interesting one because the announcement was obviously made saying the CPL is coming to Vancouver, but I think most of us are expecting it to be more in the Fraser Valley, which would you class that as Vancouver? I know there's been lots of rumours going about that there's lots of interest in BC. in the valley, in Vancouver, in the interior, and we, we could be looking at a number of clubs in BC over the coming years. But it's a, it's six five management group that would be owning the team, which is the, the same company that owns Pacific FC. And the, for me, there's a, a little bit of concern uh, about that kind of dual ownership. But what what's your thoughts on it, Zach? Because we haven't really explored that on, mm. on the show for you. How excited are you? Where do you think the team should be? And do you think it's wide open just now as to where this team will be? <laughs> That's a lot of questions. And I know. I'll just sit, loaded, back now, well, sit back now for a, another 10, 15 minutes. A lot of loaded questions. Um, <laughs> for, first off, I think, yeah, I think I wouldn't put a time frame on it, but I've said this on the show before. There, I think there will slash there should be four Canadian Premier League sides in the province of British Columbia. There should be one on the island. There should be two in the lower mainland. There should be one in the Okanagan. Um, and and if if the CPL pyramid, you know, grows, um, then hopefully you more beyond that uh, in the pyramid. But, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of this, Van, you know, Vancouver area announcement or whatever, yeah, I think the Valley, yeah, we'll, we'll get a team. I think it'll be in Surrey or Langley. I think there are pros and cons to both. I think most people see more con or more cons in Langley than Surrey. Uh, primarily thinking about depending on where the stadium is, the transportation. Um, like if you can I get never it want to have to get out of Langley ever again. Yeah, yeah. I think if you can get it in in Surrey on SkyTrain, I think obviously you um, you open up more possibilities in terms of broadening the ease by which people can get to your to your matches and be a part of the community but we'll 
we'll see how it all that all plays out. Um, I could think they build is... it beside Black Pudding Imports, Black Pudding Park, we could call it, and I could just nip and get all my they, my Scottish food at halftime. They could, Michael, except for there's no nowhere to build a run there. Yeah, that's they, true. They could really do pies work. and everything, the Scottish eggs. Oh, I'd be a dream. Although, I mean, there's the, I mean, the the primary places that are being talked about in Langley are, I mean, the primary place being talked about in Langley, of course, would be the Langley Event Center. Yeah. Which every is time not I far. drive by it, I think, oh, the, the every potential. Time, every, every time I drive by it, I say, kids. Right there, one day, potentially. We'll, we'll see Alfonso Davies back in Canada. <laughs> oh, my. Um, but, no, so, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's exciting. Um, uh, it's encouraging that they made this announcement. It'll be more encouraging once, uh, you know, things are finalized in terms of the location, in terms of a stadium deal slash finalized plan. But I think I think the one of the important things is, and one of the things that'll be interesting for me out of this is, will there be, will there, because uh, I think the te teams in the valley and in more on the other side of the river, I think uh, it'll be interesting seeing what ends up ends up happening in terms of timing, hmm. because is it something where, and I know Steve is going to say, oh, we don't let the league have an odd number of teams ever again, and I'm I'm, I'm on board for that. But it'll be interesting to see is, could there be a, a scenario where there's such great interest in people wanting to own and invest in this league and these clubs that that there is clubs that happen on both sides of the river, either simultaneously or really close to each other? And it, I mean, it brings in, you know, a bigger question I know you want to ask later or want to talk about later, Michael, is, is there too much, too much happening at once? Yeah. Um, which is a valid question. But that to me, how that plays out. And how that all, what that all looks like, and all those kinds of things, I think are really, really interesting. In terms of, um, you know, Josh and Rob and Dean being the owners and both the, and two clubs, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, in one sense, is it the ideal? Like in the bigger picture, ideal for me personally? No, it's not the ideal. Um, but I think for where Canada's at, I think it's. Um, acceptable at this time if you will right like you know bob young owns you know uh forge and owns um halifax right like it's already happening in this league you have the ottawa situation which again is different and handled one way you know a, a club that's part of a bigger club system that is branded like that club which is one way you can go um again are those is that the best way to do that? Not really in my opinion, but I, it's whatever it is, what it is. And for the, where the league's at again, I don't think it's the worst thing. I think if like half the teams in the league were like Atletico Ottawa's, I'd be concerned. Um, if there's one, if there's two, if there's three out of 16, eventually, I don't know that that's the worst in the world. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it's for me, it's not like as a purist, it's not the, it's not the, the best situation. But I think it's making the most out of where we're at, and so I, 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 I just know. worry that say it's twenty twenty three, it's the mm -hmm. last day of the season. Pacific need to get a point or a couple of points to make the playoffs, and they happen to have a game against the, this team that they both own, and then oh, there's some controversy, and they manage to get the point that they need or whatever. It just, it, 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 I'm sure there wouldn't be any funny business. It just it leaves it open to fans of other teams pointing fingers and that's what you always have to watch 
Yeah, for sure. And you, but then you don't schedule those two teams to play on the final day. Yeah. And yeah. Like, and I mean, oh, look at you with your sense. No, but that's that. That is part of it. But obviously, scheduling has, you know, been an, is an issue in North American football in general. But um, I think, though, Michael, if you if that was a scenario, right, and you went to like and you were talking to, let's say, the coach Pamudaka about about that, or and name someone else. I, well, just Pamudaka. Do you think Pamudaka would be like, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to let them have a point because we know it's good for the owners. Oh no! There's, there's I would, no. I, would, there's no, I wouldn't even bring that subject up with Pied. Crucify exactly. me. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like so. I, I, in general, I, in general, I don't worry about that. But I, I understand the, the 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 perception that that could bring. in, you know, the I don't think it's quite happened at all, really, with with uh, Forge and Halifax. Um, but but I think I think I think I, I genuinely don't know if I knew. That Bob Young owned Halifax because you you were saying that and I was like, did I know that? It seemed I, like I I think I think I thought that it was common common like I know what's his name uh, what's the guy's name he's a really nice guy is it um, Martin Dean Martin um, the he's guy dead. Is, that was not no, the, the guy who the guy who the guy who was the operator of the team in, in Halifax yeah I thought he was the owner yeah I don't think he's owner oh. I, I mean are we not allowed to include this. Oh no, it's, it's great. I'll have to look this up. I genuinely is, either the, forgot this or didn't know it. The thing is, there's been dual ownership in the CFL for years with BC yeah. Lions and Hamilton. Yeah. Or was it Toronto? I can't yeah. remember. Uh, Toronto with Braley. Yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah. and that just ended recently. So, it's happened in the past. Uh, MLS had one owner owned multiple teams. Like three, uh, at, at least beginning. three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it just, it, they just needed somebody to own those teams and pay the bills. So, if it's something like that where he's just paying the bills and everything, that's fine. I, I don't see an issue with that at all. I, I, the other thing, especially the, the, at the beginning, the other thing I'll say about the specific scenario in BC, Michael, is I think you'll very much see a um, a divide within the who oversees what, right? Like I think the natural divide is you'll see a Josh Simpson take care of the island stuff, and you'll see a Rob Friend yeah, here. take care of the Lower Mainland stuff just because of their, you know, their primary residence or yeah or business and, interests and yeah i mean ideally i'm hoping to sit down with dean or rob early next year and just have a, a chat i'd hope to do it this year and then just things with things happening here just kind of got away from me with that steve you're a surrey boy do you want to see this team in surrey or do you not care it doesn't matter too much to me where they're located it would like zach said ideal if it's somewhere where people can get to easily um zach was mentioning like having a team across each like on each side of the river it'd be great if they played a neutral game on the river then at that point <laughs> put a barge in the river uh, but that would but, be fantastic but uh might lose a lot of balls yeah that, that'd be the issue maybe put some nets up uh but overall i i think it's i think it's fantastic like but like i said it all depends on where the location is and they got to have not only do you have to have SkyTrain accessible, but you got to have ample parking. Yeah. Because no matter how much SkyTrain you have, uh, there's always people that want to park the cars. So you got to have uh, easy to get in, easy to get out. And so everything's got to work out in order for it to work. Otherwise, you're going to have people not wanting to come. Yeah. I mean, Willoughby, if it's in Langley, Willoughby makes so much sense. McLeod Athletic Park, where Whitecaps 2 played, was awful for getting to. I mean, it was fine for driving. But there's a few people I know went there by public transport, and mm. it's like, oh, 
Man. The public transport isn't good and the parking is non-existent virtually. Yes. There's there's that one car park that fills up very quickly and then you're kind of scrambling to see where else you can get parked. White cats weren't drawing many crowds at times, so it wasn't too bad. We got an email in from one of our listeners, Chris, who said... I was wondering which city in the Lower Mainland you guys feel would be best to call home and host a venue for the newest Lower Mainland CPL team in 2023. I've looked into this from a business and realistic perspective, and this is his take. His city choice is Langley Township. Uh, Fraser Valley has a large soccer market. Langley has various spaces to build a stadium, although because I was in Langley a lot recently uh, with our dog Penny because we are up at the at Boundary Bay Hospital, I can't believe how much condos and townhouses and things are going up at the moment in Langley. It seems to be any bit of grass just now, this thing's going up on it. So I don't know, don't know how much space is still around in Langley to build this stadium. Chris says, if they want to build it, on an existing field, the Langley Event Centre is the most convenient as a new pitch was built two years ago and it's now hosting four pitches, with space around the newer pitch to build bleachers and seating. If they build it there, it's just off the highway, accessible to travelling fans, bonus is parking is abundant and free, well for now, and the city has shown it can host various teams such as the Vancouver Giants and Stealth. Uh, the Event Centre also has a German training facility, from a business perspective, he feels Langley is a growing township and city that, that the market's there to support an ever-growing fan base in an untouched market in the valley. And with all the new accommodation and residences going up, there's obviously going to be more and more folk living in Langley. He says Langley would be cost-effective, affordable to all fan bases and easily accessible transit-wise with the main bus terminal a few blocks away and the SkyTrain route coming to Langley in a few years. But it's still a few years away. That is the, the, the worry there. The only thing I, I'm not sure about is the internet suggesting the club name might be called Port City. The only problem is Langley is no Port City, so the name might need to change of Langley. That was the original registered name, though, Zach, yeah. when folk were just throwing stuff about. They could call it Ford City. Yeah. Actually, they, they, yeah, they, they very easily could do that. I mean, I, I'm excited to to see this. I, there's been lots of murmurs for over a year now that Hastings Racecourse... It could get knocked down. They could build a stadium there. It'd be close to the old empire. I'm obviously biased with that because I could walk up to there. I would love that for the south or north of the river, I guess it would, would be. Um, I just think south because of my weird geographical thing with Canada. But that would be the ideal for the Vancouver team. And I would personally would prefer Langley to Surrey because I can get there a lot quicker from, from East Van. Chris makes a lot of valid points there. Do, do you feel though, Zach, that this is just a case of putting it out there so that if there is an interested city, they're going to come forward, or if there's more than one, they can actually ensure that the stadium gets built? Because that does seem to be the stumbling block. It does feel like this is to try and force the hand of somebody to commit and get this done? Yeah, again, lots of good questions, Michael. Um, so a, a few things. First, uh, yeah, I think I think the play here with the announcement, the way it was, the press release, 
and then um the, yeah some access to the people from the, the organization um was about similar to what we saw in saskatchewan so it, this is about helping getting the the deal done uh for the location and the stadium and yeah i think the what happens in a situation like this is yeah this will hopefully uh heighten the stakes right like so it's one thing for you to go to a municipality and say we're working with this league and this is happening whatever and especially when it's such a young league um with so many maybe i guess you could say maybe unknowns um and it's you know, the league has existed for more years of unknown than known yeah. um, <laughs> um so i think they're still in this pandemic and we might be for another season at least exactly so i think this is a way to help get public interest and public pressure is probably not the right, right word, but just public knowledge that this is happening and, and encourage some, some ground swell around, around this. I mean, uh, so yeah, I, 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 like I know that Langley and Surrey are definitely in play. Are there other places in play? Possibly. Are there other places that can be really like new Westminster? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Are there other places that they've tried? Absolutely. Um, but uh, I mean, Coquitlam makes so much sense. Percy Perry, it's used so much of that is the only thing, but it's right by the Skytrain. You've got accessibility. It's a great little setup. There is parking around there. Yeah, the only the only issue is that you, like uh, the one thing about Chris's thing as well, the way that he mentioned bleachers and stuff like setting up. They gotta have something more yeah, than just it needs, to, it has it, to, be it a needs to be a proper stadium. stadium. Yeah. So let, let me let me address what Chris said. So a couple of things. One, yes. This is not putting up bleachers. This is a building a seven to ten thousand seat stadium that will be kind of modular. You know, um, so obviously what they did in Langford, they had some good existing parts to it, and that, that they've been adding onto, and they hopefully continue to add onto. But yeah, this will be like a modular stadium that you can, you know, that is kind of like Tempire, I guess, mm. is maybe the best way to to, to kind of compare it to. Um, but there might be some parts of it that are more concrete as opposed to um, uh, as opposed to just uh, aluminum or whatever. But um, yeah, so this is, yeah, it's not a couple of bleachers. This is a, 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 like a, a, you know, significant um, building, uh, building of a stadium. And here, here's what I would say. I mean, I think the, the short term, I think in the short term, going in Surrey where you're on SkyTrain is, is, is better in the short term. But my concern in Surrey is the places you'd build a stadium where you'd be on SkyTrain, those neighborhoods maybe are a little bit, would cause some people some concern. Yeah. Whereas I think Langley is probably like the better, like long-term play, especially if in the long-term five, 10, 15 years, public transit goes out, that far and goes you know is well connected to wherever you know the, the langley event center or whatever well i mean it is meant to be obviously well, things can change but yeah i think i do agree i think long-term langley is the place it might be a short-term hit initially but for a, a more sustainable but, long-term but here's the thing the community in langley the community of langley itself is like, big takes, enough takes the team and adopts the team as like their yeah. own or whatever then it then you don't have to worry it's getting that kind of but then engagement the, the, the highway the highway traffic makes a lot of sense to getting there like by yeah. the highway because you'll get people from Absurd coming in and stuff like that. And you yeah, get people so from easy. Surrey, get Vancouver. So yeah, now it's maybe not as easy. But. In Langley, in Langley, I do know that that I do know that they that there has been um, 
research done into multiple sites too. So it's not LEC is probably the best one, but it's yeah, not there was the an, there was there was lots of murmurs before of the new bypass that they were building. That was one of the venues, but local residents didn't want that because I mean, I would love to live beside a football stadium in theory, whether I would on actual game day. Because funnily enough. I was reading an article recently and when Saturday comes about that, that to football fans, your dream is, oh, I'm living beside a football stadium or I've got a view of a football stadium from my bedroom window. But for many of the people that live beside a stadium, it's a nightmare with noise and stuff. But there was some really funny stuff in that article. There was a, a farm beside some football stadium and the ball kept getting kicked into the guy's stables and he wouldn't give it back. So then someone had climbed over one day to get it and then they went into training the next week and he'd ridden his horses all over the pitch because it's like, well, if you're coming into my place, I'll come into yours. So <laughs> you, you don't want stuff like that happening. You want to get the, the neighbours on side wherever you build it. The other thing I'll say is about the name. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Port City FC is something that people, I think, discovered that the league had trademarked yeah. as a potential thing for Surrey. Uh the league did uh, extensive work. Uh, this is all public knowledge. Uh, extensive work at the beginning, uh, before the league started, with um, the league storyteller and uh, one of the, the the head of marketing went around to the different different potential communities and met with people and were talking about concepts and ideas and all that kind of stuff. And so, Port City is one of the things that I think resonated in terms of you know Vancouver being a port. Surrey has a very significant port which people either maybe don't know about or don't appreciate the same way they do with Vancouver, I guess. Um, and um, yeah, so I think it makes sense. And there's some concepts around that that are kind of, that are actually, I think are, are really kind of cool, but if it's in Langley, it, it yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it hits as it hits uh, as close to home. And I don't think that like Rob and Dean and Josh, I don't think they're, tied to that or i don't think that they're i think they're open to to you know other possibilities go with something encompassing so it doesn't have to have langley in it which probably the way that they're going with it the teams means it wouldn't anyway but like have fraser valley in it or valley or something like that just to bring everyone in from that area i i don't know we'll see now we touched on this a couple of shows ago steve is there too much football happening and new things coming in the lower mainland? Because you've got the CPL team in 2023. You've got the Whitecaps 2 revised for next year. You've got League 1 BC that will come to shortly. I, I do worry that there's going to just be a little bit of burnout with talent and the desire of people to go and watch all, all these matches. Because, yeah, football's a great sport. We love going to see it. But at some point, you do wonder where all these fans for all these different teams are going to come from to to be sustainable. Yeah, the talent-wise, I agree with you that it's going to be hard to maintain, especially with the lower leagues in BC. Uh, but maybe, you know, you're going to have to go with some of the um, the tough times uh, talent-wise in, in order to build it up. It, it, might, it might be a dearth in there somewhere where there's a little bit of a gap between until you get all, all side. Now, getting out there, fans getting out there, if it's 2023 and the time, if the timing of these this team opens up with the pandemic slowing down or or completely going away, I, I don't I don't want to say anything like that. I don't want to jinx it. Uh, but if that does happen, I think you get plenty of people coming out, especially if you can build it into a whole entertainment thing. Don't just make it a, about soccer. 
uh, make it into an entertainment night. Like the, the I know we rag on the Whitecaps too. Uh, uh, what they uh, like, what they brought out, especially with the certificates and everything. I've mentioned that before <laughs> in a joking way. But overall, their whole concept. Well, if you can make it a little bit bigger, it was not bad having the food trucks there, yeah. having some entertainment on the side, people walk, being able to walk around at, on the side there. If yeah, you can build it, it was a great like day out, an event. It was just yeah. in the wrong place. Exactly. And and so that, that if you get something like that where people can mill around and not set to one seat or whatever, that might work out very well and, and people mm-hmm. would be fine with that. It might be entertaining. Some people might not enjoy that. Some people want a set seating. You, maybe you could do both and you could have a a general admission where people can walk around and do whatever they want, and and you can have that uh, the set seating. So, I think I don't think the issue with the fans coming out because it all depends on what they're looking for uh, attendance wise. But overall, yeah, talent wise, that might be the issue. I think that's a bigger issue. Right yeah, now. winning teams will always get fans coming out as well. But I mean, we do also have next year launching League One BC. We'll just mention that a little bit briefly because it does all tie in with this so all seven teams have now been officially announced there'll be male and female teams for all seven of the clubs so 14 new new teams will be taking part in league one bc in 2022 the action getting underway in may we've got three well-established teams vancouver whitecaps under 19s tss rovers and victoria highlanders There's three teams tied in with universities, but going under different names. So UBC are Varsity FC, Thompson Rivers are Rivers FC, and you've got Unity FC, which is Trinity Western. So you've got those three, and then there's Altitude FC, which is the Fally Academy, which is an excellent youth academy that have done a lot of good work on the North Shore for a number of years now. So they're coming in as Altitude so you, you've got teams in North Vancouver, you've got teams on the island, you've got teams in Vancouver, you've got teams out in the valley and in the interior as well. So it's a good mix across the province. I'm excited to, to see this. What are you expecting from League One in this first season, Steve? Um, Like every league, I think there will be, like, I, I think it'll be... The, the football will be exciting, hopefully, uh, but I, th- I think it will be exciting. It's really a, a a beginning point. I think there will be, for me, there I am expecting some hurdles that they have to go. I'm expecting mistakes. So just like every number first thing, there were mistakes made when MLS came out, mistakes made when CPL came out. So I'm expecting that. You, you can you can you can plan as much as you want, but there's always going to be something going wrong, and so that's expected, and I, I expect that. But overall, as long as they get people knowing about the league, that's the biggest thing. People, As long as people, whether they go or not, yes. I, I hear about the league, identify with the league. At first, it might be just friends and family that come out, maybe a few stragglers here and there. But you got you to gotta build out slowly. Don't expect too much. Expect mistakes. Live with it. Roll with it. Admit when you make a mistake, if, if it is a big one. And I think people will be happy with that. One of the other questions that Chris asked in his email was... How well do you see the league doing? So we've kind of touched on on that. But is there any club, Steve, that you feel you might find yourself supporting or that that you've taken a liking to? Not really. Maybe a little bit of TSS. Um, the Whitecaps will always be like interesting, but I I don't I don't see myself supporting 
any team only because it's developmental for me. Mm. And so uh, for me, I just want to watch the younger players and how they're developing and see if we can identify some players that move on to the next level. Um, I've always, even when, uh, when I've watched the Academy games, I, while I, uh, I will cheer when the Whitecaps score. Um, it's not really the result for me. It was never a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, no, more it was happy- more about abusing Romanian goalkeepers for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, that's another story for after show. Um, but uh, the, the no, but the the um, like I'd be happier if the Whitecaps reserve uh, the academy teams won. But I'd be more interested to see if I saw a great performance or I saw something out of a player. So for me, right now, because it's so new, I don't see myself um, latching onto a team right now. It's, it's too early for me. What about yourself, Zach? Do, do you think you maybe go more the Unity way because of your connections with the Spartans or TSS, Highlanders? Yeah. I, no, I, think, I, yeah. I, I like Rivers' logo and branding. That's my favourite of all the things, but that's probably the one team I probably won't really get out to go and see because obviously it's in the interior, but... Yeah, I think for me, yeah, I think obviously knowing the people I do it with Unity FC, uh, that'll probably be the, the the place I go the most. And we'll see what, I mean, there's some stuff that could happen there that could be meaningful. So I'm excited for the potential of that. Um, I think for me, one of the things I want to do this year, if I can, especially if I can make it all work, is I'd like to visit all seven grounds and, and, and take, take things in that way. Like, make sure I get to see you know how each club is run and what they're doing and all that yeah, kind of we stuff. can maybe do an interior road trip then an aftn one oh, totally um but yeah i think it it'll be interesting to see again like steve said is is how do these places engage with their community right like um you know thinking like like yeah because you want your community to the top so obviously the schools have students and families and histories and stuff like that to connect with in their community right yeah obviously you feel like a rivers feels like to us and this might be um lower mainland centric but feels like you know that's that might be like the thing to do on a whatever a friday night or whatever in um uh, in the interior in the interior um uh but yeah like the north shore team um and even tss and um uh, Highlanders, like, how will they engage with their community? Yeah, Highlanders, with Pacific being there, is going to be the, an interesting one to see what their draw could be. Could they maybe even do a couple of double headers? Probably not. But I, I know right now the plan is for the Whitecaps to play out of the UBC turf, which I happen to be up at a VMSL game there just before Christmas, and it is the worst pitch for viewing because there's no bleachers around it, there's a big fence all around it, so if anyone actually wants to go and try and watch the game on that pitch, it's going to be horrible. So they need to sort that out, they need to get that team playing not there, whether it's at Thunderbird, whether it's even at Kenwood's Field if they want to be up at UBC, they just cannot have it on that turf pitch because it is shocking from a a spectator's point of view. I'm obviously a little bit torn because I've got TSS connections because I, I commentate with them. I commentate with UBC. I have done some past commentary with Whitecaps too. So my dream would be those three teams play on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday separately from each other and I can still commentate on all three games, but that's just me being selfish. So I don't know. TSS will obviously have my heart because we've been with them from the start. I just became an owner 
just before Christmas, I, I bought my share in them. $265. Money well spent. Don't tell Caitlin. She already saw it come off the bank account. It's just like, what's this payment? I was like, oh no, that's that's fine. Just 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 ignore that. We'll I'll talk about that later. It's just just the finances you don't understand, honey. It's okay. So that's come off now. Um, so they'll always have a, a place in my heart, but I just want it to be a good league. I want it to be good football. And like joking aside, I would like the games because it's going to be three games each weekend. I would like one to be on a Friday, one to be on a Saturday, and one to be on a Sunday, so that fans in the lower mainland, if they want to get out and see all three games in a in a weekend, they can do that. Maybe a long trip to the interior, but in the <laughs> ones in the lower mainland, at least of the island, if they if there's a chance for them to see three games, they could. I would say that if they can uh, open up the league with a triple header in the, in, a, in the Swan Guard, oh, that play all three fantastic. games in, in the one day. Uh, they, they've done that before with uh, yeah, well, Champions. V, VMSL and Fraser Valley League. That's how they start their season. They get all the the prem teams in the one oh, place really? and they I play did... all the games. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah so maybe up at Newton in the VMSL was up that for VMSL. Yeah, so I, that's, that's a fun day out because you've got six games uh, from a VMSL point of view. I'd like to see that. We're going to be sitting down with people from League One BC next year and we're also going to be sitting down with somebody from each club. So I've been speaking to a couple of people behind the scenes. So we'll, we'll get those interviews coming thick and fast as the season approaches. But that's pretty much it for our CPL and League One BC chat. It's not it for this episode though because we've still got time for this episode's wavelength and I'm going back to 2014. It's a, an Irish band who are based in Germany now. We've played them before. It's My Brother Woody. It's another song from their album Random Football Musings Set to Music. And this is their song, Literally.
That was literally, literally, by my brother Woody from 2014, just saying that in football, literally, anything can happen. That's why we love it so much. That's why we're looking forward to what 2022 will bring from the Whitecaps and the CPL and League One BC, the national team. It's just a very, very exciting time to be following Canadian soccer right now. That is it, though, for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Just before we go, guys, let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts or anything you want to add, Steve? Um, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And it's not what I learned today, but what I remembered. Uh, my time at uh, the one time I went to the Langley Event Center, um, making fun of uh, somebody by calling him Porkchop, um, saying that... Uh, Who knew that was offensive? That a, a goalkeeper's uh, sperm was older than Sam Kube, uh, who just beat him on a goal score. I don't remember who the Sounders goalkeeper was. It was an older guy, though. Henneman. Was, for, was it Henneman? Okay. Oh, yeah. So That, yeah, that just, was a great day out. That, that was a great day. We got we got the difference of what a, a, what how trees are pronounced and stuff like that. What's a tree and what's a person. Uh, yes. So a lot of good things there. A lot of good things that we talked about. Oh, man. That, that really... Like, in... In Whitecaps supporter folklore, and even like AFDN folklore, that that was a fun day. Out I think that. we, I think I we had a security guard come at come to us. At one yeah, point too. We, did. we got the Sounders called somebody on us. I uh, I was I was working, so I mi- it was a Sunday, so I missed the first half or the first part of the first half. Um, I remember joining you for it. So I oh missed yeah, it. you I, were like, I, what have I missed? That's like well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, I missed the beginning of the poor chop thing, but I got the end of it. So. That was a yeah. That was the that funny was thing weird. is we didn't even start calling a pork chop. He used hurt. He thought we called a pork yeah, chop. Yeah, I know. That's what we never brought it up at all. Bizarre. Good times. Any final thoughts from you, Zach? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. Um, I'm a part of the um, uh, Fraser Fraser Valley uh, Fanatics, uh, helping with uh, the, <laughs> helping with the uh, try and bring this club into the into the valley uh, in the CPL uh no i just i guess this is our last show right so happy new year to people yeah uh i hope uh you've had a meaningful 2021 even though it was nothing not close to normal probably for most of you um and uh yeah i'm looking forward to all that 2022 has in store yeah, happy new year everybody yeah i'd echo those thoughts as well thank you for being with us throughout 2021 We've got a lot of fun and exciting stuff coming up in 2022 for you, including our 500th episode that I keep plugging. I haven't actually planned what this is going to be, but we've got to make it special. I mean, it's 500. We've got to do something. Maybe 500 hour long. I don't know. That, that'll be a bit shorter than some of our usual ones, maybe, but I don't know. But you can give us a follow on Twitter at AFTN Canada if you're not already. Check our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm Michael McCall. We will be back soon with our first show of 2022. And that is going to be looking at the Canadian men's national team. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, happy new year, and mon Canadian soccer. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...